if you've got a Bible, open it. We're gonna, I'm going to teach a little bit on the continuation of the kingdom and the authority that we have as believers. And then we're going to stand and activate somewhat of that authority. We're going to pray and intercede and worship however we see that looks like. Obviously, Sean and Coco and Tim and Taryn are all unwell. Um, and Cherie couldn't, Dave and Cherie couldn't be here. They had something else on this evening. They're ministering somewhere else, I think, Dave said, in Perth or something. Um, so we don't have a worship team right now, but what I wanted to, um, not just to pray for Sean and Coco and, and for uh, Tim and Taryn and others who are unwell with COVID and other things, but this is a part of what, what we are as a community, is that we're not just come do the service, do our part, have our part, enjoy ourselves and then go home, that we actually carry an authority that, that God has given us. So let's pray and then I want to unpack some scripture and we can ask questions and toss it around if we want. But let's pray first and then I'll tell us where we're going in Matthew. So Father, we just come before you right now, Lord. God, I thank you for, for this community, Lord. I thank you that we can worship you and glorify your name, God. I thank you for every person who's here, Father, and everyone who isn't, Lord. God, we just worship you. We honor you. We glorify your name, God, regardless of, of how it looks, regardless of how imperfect it feels, Father. We just come with every, anything that we can bring to glorify your name, God. It's not well put together or smooth, Lord, or maybe what we think it should be, but we come with our hearts open, our hands open to glorify you, to worship you, and just to honor you. Jesus, we love you. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you have your way this, this evening. Have your way in our hearts. Lord, let us see your kingdom come. Let us see your will being done. Jesus, we love you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Can everyone hear me? Molly, can you hear me okay? Yeah? Okay, Matthew 10. Grab Bible, go to Matthew 10. So last week I spoke about the kingdom spoke about God, Jesus coming and, and preaching um, that the kingdom has come, right? So Jesus, when he comes to, to minister, he establishes his authority, right? He establishes his authority over nature when he calms the wind and storms. He establishes his authority over trees and animals via the fig tree and other things that he does. And he establishes his nature and his, and, and his kingdom over the spirit realm in the way that he casts out demons he silences those things that are moving, right? Everything that Jesus does after he says the kingdom has come is then goes to show what that kingdom looks like, right? It's the opposite spirit or the opposite kingdom of the kingdom of the age, the darkness of, of the world, right? And when he operates in that place, he shows what his kingdom realm looks like, right? And that's what I preached about last week. It's the, the revealing of, of God's kingdom through Jesus and him establishing that. So Matthew 10, 1. Does someone want to read it? Is anyone bold enough to just read it in your verse? Cat. Cat, you got it there? <laughs> Thanks for volunteering, Cat. That's so nice. Matthew 10, read 1, one down to 15. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. 
Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You have received, you receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, no silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. How far? Uh, to 15. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone who will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Okay. As I go, if you want to ask a question or say something, feel free to do so. What did you say? I said that's intense. A little bit intense, like camping. Um, <clears throat> intense, because camping, intense? No, okay. Um, <laughs> Dev didn't get it. Dev just got it at the end there. Dev just got it at the end. It was worth explaining. Okay, the word power is used here, right? It's, in some of your Bibles, it'll say he gave them authority. Some of them will say he gave them power. The word in, in the Greek is the word exosia, okay? And the, the word means a range of things, but it means a privilege, a force, a capacity, a, com, a, a competency, a freedom, a mastery, a delegated influence, an authority, a jurisdiction, a liberty, a power, a right, or a strength, right? So Jesus comes and he says, kingdom of God is at hand. He goes and he uses, he uses his time to express this is what the kingdom looks like. But then in this verse, he comes and he says, I am going to give the delegated influence of my powerful kingdom to you, the disciples, right? So he exemplifies what the kingdom looks like. He shows the revelation of the kingdom. And then he says, this kingdom that I have, which is powerful and glorious, that can silence winds, can silence the storms, can change the trees, can, can raise the dead, can, can cast out demons. This power that I've shown you, I am now going to delegate the authority to you, the disciples, right? Sorry? I just saw Tim Hudson wandering around in the parking lot. Did you? Maybe the Timothy Hoatson. Look at the whole... The Hoatsons are here. <laughs> the whole squad. <laughs> Hello, Hoatsons. Hello. Hello. KK's in the kids' room if the kids want to go. We thought we could sneak in. Yeah, you thought you could sneak in, but you can't. Not this week. Put some chairs in the middle for them. Grab a chair. Slide around. Welcome, Timothy. So Jesus then reveals the fact, right, that the power and authority that his kingdom has, has operated in, all of these things that he's done, he uses a word that says, I'm going to delegate the influence to you disciples, right? My kingdom, I'm going to give you the power and authority to go 
and, and use that on my behalf, right? I'm giving you a jurisdiction, a, a right and a strength to go and use on Yahweh God's behalf, right? So in this sense, he's saying to the disciples, you are going to be those who go and do what I've just shown you can be done. Not just cleanse the lepers and heal the sick, as we'll talk about now, but operate in the fullness of my kingdom. I'm going to give you the authority and the power to do that. Often in churches, we say that the person at the front, that being myself and Jess, are the ministers, right? But the word minister in the English dictionary means the first one which we've created as a church, which is one who is authorized to perform religious functions, or it's known as the superior in certain orders, or it's a high officer or state appointed to head an executive or administrative department, right? To be a minister is to be somebody who rules and leads in a particular um, organization or kingdom and to go and bring that into another place. So when someone says, who's the minister of your church? The right answer in that context is, I am, right? All of us in that sense, based on what Jesus is saying, is I'm making all of you ministers of my kingdom, right? Delegates those who carry what I have and who I am into a sphere, you become ministers in that sense. So when Jesus says, I'm calling my disciples, who's that? Us, right? He says, I'm calling the disciples and I'm giving you a delegated authority. I'm giving you the right that when you walk in, you can say, I am in charge here based on who Christ is. So when we walk into a, a, a sphere or an influence, when we walk into a place and there's an opposite spirit at work, we become the delegated authority who gets to decide what actually takes place spiritually in that place. So I spoke two weeks ago or three weeks ago about the fact that there's a, a, a demon temple on the lady's desk, a little other God, right? And that we start to get that feeling of, oh, should we be having a church here because of that, right? But we are based on what Christ said, the delegated authority to rule and reign in this sense. So when we go into our workplace, we say, oh, well, my boss isn't, my boss isn't a Christian, so we have to do things that aren't of the kingdom. Well, you get to be in a spiritual realm, the delegated authority that, that decides the spiritual atmosphere. Does that make sense? Mm. So in this, we have to decide. When, when Jesus says he gave this power in the first, he says he called the twelves and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He's talking about disciples of him. What disciple means a student, a follower of Christ. That when we call ourselves Christians, it means we become disciples, ones who follow Christ. In our following of Christ, he has allowed us an authority to access and to actually work on behalf of the kingdom. Does anyone have any questions before I move on? Are you sure? Okay, so all of us become ministers of the gospel of Christ, right? Regardless of whether someone has laid hands on you and or you've gone to Bible college for five years and or your car park says minister, all of us become actual ministers of the gospel. We ad administer or bring forth the kingdom and get to actually implement that into where we are. He says, oh, before I move to that, he lists out the names of the disciples that he calls. I found it so interesting that he calls Judas Iscariot and Matthew finds it powerful enough to then put almost in brackets, but not in brackets, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Just want you to remember 
That guy, Judas, was the one who betrayed him. Yet Jesus still gave him the authority of power. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we think that we have been disqualified from operating in the kingdom. Right? Whether we've done something wrong, we've said a swear, we've watched something we shouldn't, we've drank too much, we've, we've gossiped on our friend. It's almost like we go on and say, like, oh, I couldn't administer the gospel there because I stuffed up earlier in the day. Right? Or I couldn't operate in that space because I'm not worthy enough. Jesus even gave Judas Iscariot. He knew Judas was going to betray him, yet he still calls him and gives him the, the authority to lead. He trusted Judas enough to say, I know you're going to cook this. You're going to stuff this up. Yet I'm still going to give you the power to administer my kingdom. What that means for us is that none of us are outdated. None of us are ill-equipped. None of us are too sinful or have done the wrong thing or have done too many bad stuff. None of that disqualifies you from operating in the kingdom of what God has for us. If it did, he wouldn't have called Judas. He would have said, you 11, step over here. Here's the authority. Judas, got nothing for you. See you in a few weeks. Right? He wouldn't have given that to him. Yeah, 80. I think it would have been the same with Peter. Yeah, right. Right. And Peter still had the opportunity to operate in that authority when he was in denial of Christ. Right? So when we actually accept who Christ is, he says to us, come in who you are and I will give you my kingdom and you can flow through it and allow it to come. Does that mean we should live a life of unholiness? Absolutely not. Because right? that, that's, that's Romans, right? There's a, there is not this ability to go and do what I want because that's not living in the fullness and the freedom of the kingdom, right? But that doesn't take away what God's put in us. I always found it so interesting that some of these massive church leaders have these incredible ministries, amazing healing ministries, amazing teaching ministries, and then it comes out that they, they were in massive copious amounts of sin, right? It's because that... Oh, the, Sorry, that they were in sin. Yeah, that they were cheating on their wife or partner or that they were doing whatever it was, drugs or whatever, whatever the, their sin of choice was. But the reason for that is that because they've understood the spiritual principle of operating in the kingdom of God. And God doesn't take that away from them the moment they get caught in something wrong, but it still wrecks their life, right? So understanding the power and authority of the kingdom that we carry is a spiritual principle that we have to learn to tap into and then live out of. So when we're in a moment and you're going, something is wrong here, something is off, that's the Holy Spirit revealing to you in the kingdom realm that you can actually change the atmosphere. You can actually bring the opposite spirit or release the kingdom of God. But we have to decide to operate in that. God even called Judas, still calling all of us. He says to the disciples, don't go into the towns of the Samaritans and don't go to the Gentiles. The reason he says that is that the kingdom of God was given first to the who? Jews. To the Jews, right? He revealed the kingdom to the Jews. He gave them an opportunity to come in. And then we see later on in Acts that the, the kingdom goes out to, to the rest of the world, right? to Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world, outermost parts of the world, right? But it was first given to the Jews. So I've, I've heard people use this verse to say that, that not, not all Christians can operate in this, that only the Jews can because it was only given to the Jews. That's not correct. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, go to the Jews first because I've given them the kingdom first. The kingdom realm will be revealed to them and then we will reveal it to the rest of the world, which we are now in what part? We're in the rest of the world part, right? 
because it's been revealed. We can see that through Acts. So he's not saying that the, the Gentiles or the Samaritans don't get to see and operate in the kingdom. That's not what he's saying. He's saying we're giving the opportunity to the Jews to follow and finish the fact that they were given the kingdom first and then it will be given, which it now has been given to us. When Jesus says this, right, he says, go into, into the Jews and go into the, don't go to the Samaritans or the Gentiles. There would have been some on that team who were Gentiles, right, who were, were not necessarily in the, the Jewish understanding. Someone like Matthew would have been born a Jew, but he wouldn't understand. He would have been thinking, or I certainly would have thought and would have asked the question, Jesus, can you explain that to me? Why shouldn't we go? But sometimes when God calls us to a specific area or specific role in his kingdom, he doesn't explain all of the pieces. He doesn't give you the full look. I mean, some of you guys who, um, uh, for Josh and AD, I know that you guys moved your whole world, said, go and start a ministry. The, the, the bits and pieces weren't added around that. It's like, well, what do I know? I know go, I know start a ministry. That's what I know. I know two of the hundreds of questions that I have. But sometimes when God calls us in his kingdom, he doesn't give us the whole picture because it continues to allow us to depend on him for the next part. Right? Sometimes I think if, if God was to give us the whole picture, we'd go, okay, thank you. I'll go over and work on this thing and I'll come back to you when I'm done. Right? But God drip feeds it to us because then the whole time that we are in that part of the ministry, the whole time we are leading with God, he is, he is watching us come closer to him and then come closer to him, and then come closer to him. Because the goal that he has in us outworking his kingdom is to, yes, forward the kingdom, but also for us to know him deeper and to be deeper into him. He doesn't give them, the disciples, the, the full understanding. He just says, don't go there. I'll tell you later. He doesn't say that, but it's almost like that's implied, right? I will tell you later. But then he says to go and proclaim the same thing that Jesus started his ministry proclaiming. What was that? It's there in, in verse 6, but it was also what I preached just last week. The kingdom of God is what? At hand. at hand. Kingdom of God is at hand. There in verse 6, he says, Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Proclaim as you say, as you go, saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. And then he reveals what that looks like. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Now, I, I want to just pause for two seconds because sometimes we get caught in this verse where we will say and the church has said it often and still gets said around today that if you're not doing those things you are not living out of the kingdom this is not a short list of what the kingdom is it is some of the things that the kingdom looks like should we be raising the dead should we be cleansing lepers should we be casting out demons yes when those things arise and if those things arise but how many of us have been in the room where somebody's dropped dead and had the opportunity to pray for them? Many of us. I, I haven't had that opportunity. I know guys who have. I know Brad has, has had someone drop dead and they prayed for him in the, in the cafe and he came back to life. He had a heart attack, I think. So it's not as if those things are happening all the time in the world we live in. That doesn't mean the kingdom's not flowing. It means that we're just not in that opportunity. I've, I've got to see demons come out and I've got to be a part of that. And... And um, that, that hasn't happened in Australia. Oh, it has happened once for us, once or twice for us in Australia. But we can't limit the kingdom to these four things, right? The kingdom is an expansive, 
understanding of who God is. These are some of the things that happen. But the kingdom flows in the way that we operate and carry ourselves with each other, with those around us, and in the way that we bring the love and gospel of Christ. Does that make sense? So these things are inclusive, not exclusive. It's not the only, or you haven't, you haven't raised somebody from the dead today, you're not, you're not close to God, right? You haven't cleansed any lepers. I don't even know if we have leprosy in Australia. Do we? Do we? Does anyone know? Monkey pox. You can... <laughs> Classic. Of course Josh brought up monkey pox, eh? So we have, to, we have to remember in the sense that... No one, no one really wants to touch the convo. It's like, ooh, we'll just sort of dance around it. So we have to understand these things are not, these things are not just what the kingdom is. They are some of the things in the kingdom. So when we start looking at some of the stuff that's affecting our world today, anxiety, depression, suicide, those are things that we're saying, well, we don't really have to go after those things because that's not in the list, right? What Jesus is not saying, these are the only things that are in the list. He's saying, these are some of the things, this is the power of my kingdom can break down the walls of darkness. So when we're operating in the kingdom, we're seeing things that aren't, aren't um, proponents of the kingdom, like I spoke about last week, peace, joy, love, those things that are operating. When the opposite is happening, we carry as believers the authority to come against that stuff. Does that make sense? So as the church, when we say we are disciples, followers of Christ, when Jesus is saying this, go therefore, cast out demons, raise the dead. He's not saying, well, quit your life, go to the streets, which is where we kind of use this verse for. He's saying, live every moment of your life expressing the kingdom if there's sickness pray if there's depression pray if there is anxiety help listen have a heart for them have have compassion towards those who aren't living in the kingdom and bring the element of the kingdom into their life with authority not with oh i hope god will come and speak to you it's like no there's a reality that we carry the authority the delegated power of God to bring the kingdom of Yahweh into that sphere and influence that place right there and then. That's what Jesus is saying to us as a people. He's saying, don't, don't wait. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. When we step into a situation and someone says, hey, this is the mountain that's before me. This is where this verse comes up. Proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? Hey, you know, this is this is happening. My, I've, I was fired from my job. I can't pay my bills. Hey, can I proclaim to you that the kingdom of God is at hand? What does that mean? Let me show you, right? The proclamation of the kingdom is saying that the things that are happening in your world don't have to be that way when the kingdom can invade your space, can change what is taking place. The last thing that he says in this verse before we break into groups, if we can't do it together, we might go groups. We'll go groups. Groups of three or four. Is that he says, if the house, uh, sorry, he says, oh, sorry, before that, he says, you received without paying, therefore give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. Don't wait for there to be a reason for you to bring the kingdom. The reason for you to bring the kingdom is one, because Jesus asked us to, and two, because that's what our role here is as Christians. I think sometimes we get caught in there needing to be a good enough reason for us to do that, to, to go and teach or to explain the, the scriptures or to hear a friend. Or when he's saying this to us, don't 
wait until you'll get something that's valuable for you. If the kingdom needs to be spread, spread the kingdom. If that person needs to hear your voice, speak to them. In, in sometimes I think we, we oversimplify this and say, well, I'm not, I'm not selling the gospel, therefore I'm not going against what Jesus is saying. But we operate most of the time, myself included, in selfishness. We know that we can bring light to that darkness, but we're tired or we're stretched or we don't feel like it's the right time or we're waiting on the word from God that says, yes, give that person a hug or explain the gospel to them. We're waiting sometimes for these overcomplicated signs when God's saying, just bring the kingdom. I just step in and bring the kingdom. But I'm tired, Lord. Yes, but I gave it to you freely and I'm calling you to give it to them freely. Sometimes our our laying down of our life is not just financial. He uses, well, he doesn't just use a financial because he speaks about the bags on the back, um, the copper belts, wearing too many, uh, too, too clothes, the sense of, of warmth and, and closeness. He's saying these things, it's going to be uncomfortable. Right? The next verse after this, this verse, which I want to get into, is talking about the, the, the uh, persecution that you will come across after you've operated in the kingdom. He's saying this is not an easy thing. This is going to be outputting. This is going to be challenging, tiring. It's going to stretch you. But go and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. Go and reveal what you've seen and known in me. Go and reveal that and take that on. But he says, if you go into a town or a house or a village and you find who is in it is worthy, stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. That word worthy is speaking about, it's not speaking about has God allowed them to have the kingdom. It's speaking about the way they receive the kingdom. So in a sense, it's not saying, if someone says to you they don't want it, don't stand there and say, no, I have to give it to you. In, in the same sense of, of Bible bashing them, if you will. But there is a, a way in which you, you go and to give the kingdom and then it's received. Right? If, you, if you present the kingdom and someone is fiery against you, they are, they're calling you all kinds of things, then it, it's not a push in to keep saying, you need this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep hounding you until you get it. There's an understanding of what Christ is saying is that there is a, a beauty in the heart of the receiver. Right? That if that heart is not found worthy, if it's not found that they actually want the information you're presenting, then you have to leave in that sense. But it says here, it says, to if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Now, I've heard this verse used extraordinarily poorly to say that you get to, in a sense, dishonor them or take all the things that you've left and leave because that's what Christ is saying. That's not what he's saying. In Judea, when they would, would walk with the rabbi, there was a place of honor to walk the closest behind Jesus, Right? And what happened when you walked close behind somebody in dirty, dusty Judea would be that the dust from their sandals would come onto you and onto your, your sandals and your legs from knee high. That's why they washed their feet. At Jess's family farm, when you get on the bikes, they've got, got, they got motorbikes that you can ride up and down the, the dirt road. When you get on, you want to be out first because if you're not out first, right, you've got to ride behind somebody else and all the dirt and dust... You, it's just terrible. And the person behind them is even worse and worse and worse, right? But there is an honor in walking close to the person, the rabbi in front of you, because the dust from their feet covers your body, right? 
It's a metaphor for the sense of the teaching and training from the person you follow. The closest to the, the rabbi learnt the most, right? Think about anyone you've learned something from. You spend more time with them, you learn more, right? You spend more time with somebody and you get close to them, you learn more of what they're teaching. It was an honor to be covered in dust when following Jesus because it meant you were following close behind him. So when it says to shake the dust off your feet, it says to leave all that you have. It's saying, leave the teachings, leave the, the things that you have. Hey, you don't want me here, but before I go, let me leave this nugget of wisdom at the door. Let me leave this one last chance. Please take it. It's not a dishonor that he's saying. It's actually the opposite. It's the extension of honor before you leave. It's, I don't go. Well, before I go, I'm just giving you one last chance. Take all that I have. And then we leave. That is the revelation of the kingdom to say, no, even though they don't want what you have for them, in the authority and the power that I've delegated to you, bless them before you leave. They're dishonoring you. They're asking you to leave. Give them one last opportunity. Father, forgive them. Right? The cry that Jesus has from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. When we leave somebody's house who has said, let, 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 please don't, don't give your Jesus nonsense here or you know, don't, don't hit me with that Jesus crap as I've, I've had people say before. It's, hey, okay, I get it. But before I go, he loves you. Before I go, he's got a plan that'll, that'll change your life. Before I go, he knows you and your family and he wants to see you. I told you to leave. Okay, I'm out. That's it, right? But there's this honor in the sense of I'm going to shake the dust from my feet. I'm going to reveal the kingdom in the last stitch that I have left. And then he says, it will be worse for those who, who on the day of judgment in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, for that town, it will be worse for them if they do not receive. What that's speaking about is that if they don't receive you and the kingdom of God, in a sense, is that there is a, a, a fiery place coming. Right? There is a, a, a kingdom that is not of God's that will be left behind. He's saying, if they dishonored you and left you, their pain and suffering is not coming from anything else other than they will lose the inheritance of eternal life. They will lose the understanding of knowing God. It's not that they're being punished from, from telling you to leave. It's that you carry the words of life as Christ did. He gives it to us through him. Right? He's saying that we are the chance to reveal the kingdom before it's too late. We are the, the authority that's been left here on earth to bring the realm of the kingdom to those who do not know it's there. Does that make sense? Go to the last Matthew 20, 20 last eight, I think is the last chapter in Matthew. 28, 29. Chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Can somebody read that? Please. 2816. I'm going to do the amplified. Just yeah, mix it up. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. It gets so confusing because you don't know where the brackets are when you're <laughs> somebody read it. Uh, what are we doing again? Sorry. 2816. 2816. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The, way, the reason Jesus can ask us, he says, go therefore. The therefore is because he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And based on, on, on the verse that we just read through before, earlier in Matthew, in Matthew 10, 1 to 15, is that he says, he called him to him, his 12 disciples, and gave them authority. What authority did he give them? He gave them all authority that's in heaven and on earth. Jesus reveals to the disciples the, the, the very thing that allows us as the church to operate in this world is all authority that's in heaven and on earth has been given to him and he's delegated that to us. This, that is mind-boggling when we begin to understand. We as the church are in the, the ecclesia, the, the called out ones who are called to rule in this, in this world that we live in have been given all authority that's on heaven and on earth. We have the ability to change this globe. Disc, depending on where you stand in the uh, flat circle debate. We have... <laughs> we, sorry, I couldn't help myself there. I had to do a flat, I had to do a flat earth joke. Was, oh, come on. Um, we have the authority as the church, all of us. None of us are ruled out. None of us are too old. None of us are too young. None of us are too this or too that. So in a moment, when we go and pray, we are praying from the authority that Jesus earned on the cross. He bought on the cross. That's where we stand. An ecclesia in, in the ancient times in, um, in, in Greece was a, a group of people, right? Two or more. That's why it says we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in their midst. Well, a group of people who gather, two or more, who come with the delegated authority to rule on a particular decision, Right? So when we pray, we're coming together as two or more people gathered to rule on a particular decision. Mm. Now, whatever that decision is as a people, it's the authority of Christ that we stand in. So whether it's praying for, for the Hotsons or the, the Paradas uh, or the John Chefs or the Hills who are sick or have been sick, it, we're coming in that thing to say we are ruling on this authority that in heaven they are made well. Right? If it's a financial decision, if you want to share in your group, there's something that you need prayer for, or there's someone you're praying for and you want to stand in the gap. We're coming in that sense to say, in the authority that Christ has given us, which he obtained on the cross, all of the authority in heaven and all of the authority on earth, that's what we're coming to rule against this thing that's taking place. Now, look, there are, are, are times where I think, and we... I don't want to get deep into it now, but we don't understand the the essence of why things don't change, right? There's times where we can be praying for something and we don't see the intended thing that we were praying for. But that doesn't change the fact that we've been given the authority through Scripture by Christ to stand in that place. There's other things that happen in the sense that, that um, like we can see when Jesus heals the, the, uh, the blind men the three different times, they're all different in the sense of, of how they receive that healing. But the reality is, is that that authority in which we come against that thing is exactly the same. Authority from heaven 
and earth given to us by Christ of which he earned in his death, resurrection, and ascension on the cross. Does that make sense? Does anyone have any questions? Does anyone want to toss anything before we go and pray? Yes, no, maybe. Pit question. We have authority. That's what I, I wanted to really reveal tonight. And I felt God saying is that in, in this understanding of the kingdom that, that I taught on last week, that God is saying the kingdom of God is at hand, is that all of those things that Jesus taught, all of the things that were revealed, peace, joy, the, the understanding that we know of his kingdom, all of that is at hand right now. And we get access to it in his authority. And we get to stand against stuff. So break into groups because I, I think it's easier for people to pray rather than having to do it out loud. And then only three of us don't have to pray. Let's break into groups, three or four or whatever you feel comfortable with. But I want to I, I challenge you. I, I was actually talking with somebody who's not here this week because they were talking to me about how uncomfortable it's been for them the last three weeks to have to pray in, in the group. And they said, hey, I'm not saying we should stop doing it because it's encouraging, but it is challenging. That's a good thing. Mm. That when we're stretched to pray with each other that, and, and come together with this authority, there is, is power and glory in that. And we need to be standing in that. The church of the Gold Coast needs to be one that stands in authority in prayer with each other. That what we are doing here in this small grassroots setup is that we're saying, God, we understand the authority of the kingdom and we want to access and utilize that authority. 